Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. conference call for fiscal 2020. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to Vance Oliver, Director of Investor Relations. Please go ahead, sir. Good afternoon, and welcome to Expo's third quarter conference call for fiscal 2020. With me on the line today are Philippe Morin, Expo's Chief Executive Officer, and Pierre Plamondon, CFO and Vice President of Finance. Jean-Mé Lamont, Expo's founder and executive chairman, will also be available to answer questions during the Q&A period. A reminder that this conference call will include certain forward-looking statements and or estimates concerning our intents, beliefs, or expectations regarding future events that may affect Expo. Please note that such comments may be affected by risks and or uncertainties, including the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on our employees, customers, and global operations. This may cause the actual results of the company to be materially different from those expressed or implied today. For more information about Expo, I encourage you to review our Form 20F filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Our annual information form is available with Canadian Securities Commissions as well. Please note that non-IFRS numbers may be used during this conference call. A reconciliation of these non-IFRS results with IFRS numbers is available in the Q3 2020 news release on our website. All dollar amounts in this conference call are expressed in US dollars unless otherwise indicated. So without further delay, I will turn the call over to Philip. Thanks, Vance, and um, good afternoon, uh, everyone. So despite constraints and restrictive measures in many countries, Expo navigated through the uh, coronavirus pandemic with a solid financial performance in the third quarter of 2020. We delivered sales of 66 million and an IFRS net earnings of 3.2 million in the third quarter. In terms of adjusted EBITDA, it amounted to $10.7 million or 16.1% of our sales. These encouraging results were achieved by proactively implementing cost controls and also benefiting from a wage subsidy of 3.3 million from the Canadian government to help maintain employment during the pandemic. Now, had Expo not benefited from the government wage subsidy, our adjusted EBITDA margin would still have been in double digit in this quarter. Now, our bookings were down 15% year over year for a softer book to bill ratio below one. However, we are pleased that our test and measurement bookings dropped nearly 7% year over year, while our SaaS related business was more severely affected by the pandemic. Now, on the other hand, we have potentially significant SaaS deals closing in our fourth quarter, which I will address a bit later. So now let's take a closer look at how our two major product families perform in the third quarter of 2020. In terms of uh, test and measurement, sales were down moderately 7.5% year over year again, mainly due to the impact of the coronavirus pandemic. More specifically, 
The government imposed restrictions in seven, several countries within mainly Americas and Europe during our quarter, limited our ability to ship test instruments and deliver services. We also saw a pause in large-scale fiber installations with communication service providers, such as fiber to the home and fiber to the antenna, mainly uh, while our service providers were mainly focusing during that period on maintenance work. However, as economies are gradually reopening around the world, we are witnessing an increase in our funnel and our opportunities for optical and high-speed test solutions. In addition, our advanced optical test solutions for our manufacturing and lab market continues to del deliver healthy growth, mainly in China, where we've seen an acceleration of 5G investment. On the service assurance systems and services side, sales decreased 16% year over year, and again, largely due to the coronavirus pandemic. Market dynamics, however, are different for this business. It has longer selling and revenue recognition cycles than obviously our test business, and with the pandemic affecting our ability to close deals and install new systems. Despite the coronavirus impact, our customer engagement on our automated end-to-end -end troubleshooting solutions for cloud-native network continues to expand. In fact, our proof-of-concept trials for our NovaSense AI monitoring and troubleshooting solutions have now increased from three to seven in the, in the third quarter. NovaSense AI uses machine learning to detect, predict network anomalies in real time. And it can pinpoint which subscriber is impacted, where it has happened, and for how long as well as helping diagnostic the root cause for rapid resolution. The solution is an integral part of Expo's recently launched Nova Adaptive Service Assurance Platform, the first intelligent automation solution enabling mobile network operators to deliver ultra-reliable and high-quality service experience in 4G and 5G environments. But looking ahead, it remains difficult to forecast the pandemic impact on the global economy. But given that the long-term drivers like fiber and 5G deployments remain intact, we're optimistic that Expo's revenue levels will improve in upcoming quarters and the operating leverage of our business model will be fully demonstrated. We continue to witness increased RFP activities and trials for our service assurance solutions for 5G core applications. We expect positive decisions on a number of these RFPs to be made in this fourth quarter of our fiscal 2020. So at this point, I'd like to turn the call over to Pierre so he can cover our financials. Thank you, Philip. Save decree 10.1% to 66.1 million in the third quarter of 2020 from 73.6 million in the third quarter of 2019 mainly due to the ongoing impact of the coronavirus pandemic and negative currency fluctuation year over year. Bookings, as Philip mentioned, decreased 15% to 59.1 million in the third quarter of 2020 from 69.6 million in the same period last year for a book to be ratio of 0.89. Likewise, the drop in booking can be attributed to the COVID-19 pandemic and negative currency impact. Gross margin before depreciation and amortization amounted to 57.7% of sales 
in the third quarter of 2020 compared to 58.6% in the third quarter of 2019. Our gross margin was negatively affected by a lower sale level year over year as a result of the coronavirus pandemic, which prevented us from better absorbing our fixed costs. This was partially offset by the wage subsidy of the Canadian government in Q3 2020. In terms of operating expenses, selling and administrative expenses total $18.9 million, or 28.6% of sale in the third quarter of 2020, compared to 23.8 million or 32.3% of sale in the same period last year. This 4.9 million decrease in edgy expenses year over year mainly reflects a 1.1 million wage subsidy by the Canadian government to mitigate the effect of the pandemic. The adoption of RFS 16 had a positive impact of 0.4 million on our EGNA expense year over year. In addition, worldwide restriction of various forms of transportation due to the pandemic resulted in lower travel expenses year over year. Net R&D expenses reached 9.2 million or 13.9 million of same in the third quarter of 2020 compared to 12 million or 16.3% of sales in the same period last year. Likewise, the 2.8 million decrease in the net R&D expenses can be attributed to the Canadian Wage Subsidy Program and the positive impact of the adoption of IFRS 16 in the net R&D expenses year over year. IFRS net earnings total 3.2 million or 6 cents per share in the third quarter of 2020. Net earnings in the third quarter of 2020 included 1.4 million in after-tax amortization of intangible assets, 0.5 million in stock-based compensation costs, and 0.1 million in foreign exchange loss. Net earnings in the third quarter of 2020 also include 2.4 million for after-tax wage subsidy by the Canadian government to help maintaining employment during the pandemic. In comparison, IFRS net earnings amounted to 21,000 or zero cents per share in the third quarter of 2019. Geographically, the Americas accounted for 45% of total sales in Q3 20. Europe, Middle East, Africa represented 33%, while Asia Pacific totaled 22%. In comparison, the sales split was 51%, 30%, and 19% among the three geographic regions in the third quarter of 2019. In terms of customer mix, our top customer accounted for 9.6% of total sales in Q320, while our top three represented 18.2%. Turning to a few key points on the balance sheet, our cash position decreased to 20.5 million at the end of Q320, from 20.9 million in the previous quarter. This 0.4 million decrease is mainly due to 16.9 million in cash flow used by operations, which is re- largely related to the increase of our receivable to a more normal level compared to previous quarters, to 1.9 million for the purchase of capital assets, and 1.1 million for the repayment of lease obligation and long-term debts. 
these cash outflow were mostly offset by by an increase in our bank loan by 19.9 million. At the end of Q3 20, XO had a net debt position of 17.5 million and available revolving credit facility up to 39.7 million. During the third quarter, we extended our revolving facility by 20 million Canadian dollars until May 31st, 2021. At this point, I will turn the call over to the operator for the start of the Q&A. Thank you. Thank you very much. If you would like to ask a question on today's call, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you're listening to using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing the corresponding digits. Once again, please press star 1 at this time to ask a question. We'll take our first question from Daniel Chan with TD Securities. Please go ahead. Well, hi guys. Thanks for taking my question. Um, these numbers were definitely better than I expected, so congratulations on that. Um, was there any kind of expansion um, capex from your customers in the quarter? And would you say that was a, a large driver for um, some of the better than expected results in the T&M space um, this quarter? As I mentioned, uh, I think we've seen some again continuing positive trends on our successful. Um, market penetration around the, the manufacturing and lab environment. Um, as you know, we, we made an acquisitions uh, almost two years ago. It's starting to really, it, it is paying off, allowing us to gain market share. And uh, we're continuing as well to see um, more, more investments going into uh, the latter part of that quarter of people going in with, um, you know, fiber to the home and, and, and fiber to the antenna. Now, if you look at our customer base, um, we've seen customers uh, announcing an increase in our capex. Verizon, mainly being one where they've uh, announced a 500 million capex increase um, for their network build-out. So, and another, uh, we've seen other service providers do the same um, to really respond to the bandwidth growth that they've seen since the beginning of uh, the pandemic. But overall, on our TNM, I do see it's the same kind of. Um, business growth that we've seen in, in our um, high-speed solutions, our manufacturing solutions, and we're getting the benefit of the decisions we made of, uh, a few years back and, and leveraging uh, that position in the market. Okay, that's helpful. Now, you mentioned that 5G investment in China seems to be uh, ramping up aggressively. Any changes to timelines on 5G and SDN rollouts in your other markets in Europe and North America? Yeah, I think you're going to see a, a different um, responses based on uh, per countries and per customers. I, I think we've seen customers that actually have um, decided to accelerate uh, 5G because they think it's so critical. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll restate Verizon and, and AT&T. In, in certain countries in Europe, uh, you've seen a bit of delays, um, mainly as well as, as auctions being delayed and so on. So. Uh, while in China, uh, we all know we've seen as well some acceleration of that. Um, but ultimately, I still go back um, with the, uh, the the two growth vectors we are focusing on from our service provider customers and our web scale customer providers around fiber infrastructure investment and 5G. Uh, to me, they remain strong, and um, and and that's why we're optimistic about. Uh, getting our business, uh, you know, getting some growth in our revenue going forward. Yeah, and that's going to lead on to my next question. You sound pretty confident in winning some 5G RFPs in Q4. Um, just wondering how those discussions are going and what's driving some of that confidence. 
Yeah, as I mentioned, is um, you know we're seeing a lot of activities in RFPs. Um, they do take you know, especially with this pandemic uh, crisis, uh, they take a bit more time to close. But we feel pretty confident that we are getting some of our, um, our fair share of, of these wins, and and uh, and the fact that um, you know we we do expect that our backlog will be able to also. Um, we're going to be able to grow our backlog both for our SaaS and TNM business that will really help in the predictability of our revenue um, our revenue profile. I would do keep uh, keep in mind that usually um, our quarter four the fourth quarter for which is really summer months are uh, a bit uh, slower uh, on TNM um, as as we know as because of just you know some of the construction activities and so on being a bit slower down. So that's a bit of the seasonality that we have to, to deal with. Okay, thanks. I'll pass it on. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. We'll take our next question from Thanos Chopolis with BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi, good afternoon. Um, Philippe, can you comment on how the um, supply chain and logistics issues are, are looking now? I mean, I presume it's starting to get a bit better. Uh, but to what extent might that still be a, a constraint, um, uh, do you think, in the current quarter? Well, so, so first of all, let's talk about our supply chain. Our factories are up, up and running, and then, like I mentioned in, in the previous quarter, so we're fully operational on all our factories, and, and that's, uh, that's obviously benefiting us in terms of being able to respond quickly to, to our customers' in, need. In terms of our overall, our own supply chain, and when you look from, you know, from orders all the way to, to shipments, I do think that we're, we've seen the recovery, and the, the last, uh, phase, I guess, what, what's really a thing that we got to continue to to really navigate through is around the whole logistics side of things. So being able to deliver equipment to our customers, we have to schedule it, make sure they have people over there. There's still some challenges in terms of flights and and uh, and um, you know trucks and so on. But overall, manageable, um, and we've been able to really work around those uh, in our Q3. Okay. Um, do, do you have any guesstimate as to what the impact might have been in Q3 if, if you didn't have any of those issues to deal with, or is that kind of hard to assess? No, I think they've been very marginal. I, the only comment I will make, um, Thanos, is obviously what the uncertainty associated with, you know, the the, uh, the first wave, you know, expands of, of the pandemic or even a second wave hitting. That's the part of the, you know, the, a bit of the unknown from the point of view of predictability of our business. But in terms of Q3, it was a marginal impact. Okay. Um, from an OPEX perspective, I guess there's some moving parts here. I guess one question is how long the, the stimulus uh, might last. But I mean, putting that aside, if we if we look at the numbers underlying without the stimulus, um, normally you have uh, a downtick in Q4 due to uh, vacation seasonality. Uh, should we expect uh, the same this quarter? Uh, and, then, and then looking past that, I mean, how should we think about maybe you know permanent cost reductions versus temporary cost reductions? So I'll let uh, Pierre answer the, the first question on vacation, and I'll take care. I'll, I'll let you go first, and I'll I'll answer the other piece. Yeah, yeah, you're right. As Anas, usually in Q4, we see the benefit of the vacation where the extent tend to be lower. Uh, Q3 has been quite low with the wage subsidy that we got for the Canadian government. We won't have those in, in Q4 uh, as we, we we're no longer qualified qualified for for the program. Uh, so that that's the main point. Uh, the, the, the main saving that we got in the Q2 uh, also was the reduction in travel 
Uh, we do expect that that reduction will continue at least for Q4, as uh, most of the contracts are still locked down right now. So, so we, we, we could assume some, some reduction if you compare it to the run rate of Q1, Q2, and not really Q3. Okay. The point I'll add, uh, Thanos, is we're going to continue to be very disciplined in, uh, with regards to our OPEX costs. Um, so we've achieved, as Jess highlighted, obviously travel reduction, but we had a hiring freeze. We were very careful with our, the contractors we're using. Um, we've gone into a much more virtual engagement with our customers. That has actually been interestingly um, favorable in terms of being able to outreach and bring more experts in front of our customers. All of that new environment, we're, we're going to continue to, to you know, adapt and, and see how we can uh, continue to grow our business while really being, as I mentioned, diligent on our cost and our OPEX. Okay. Maybe I one thing to add. Oh, Maybe, Tanis, one thing to consider as well. So the Canadian dollar was weak in Q3. The average was 139, uh, getting a little bit stronger in Q4. So that, that will have some... some negative impact on our OPEX clause by increasing our OPEX a little bit because of that as well. Okay. Um, and then, uh, which, has the pandemic had any impact as far as um, maybe market share shifts? And I'm just curious as to, you know, has there been any difference in terms of your ability to maybe respond to customer orders and, and, and ship, you know, test and measurement equipment to them versus some of your competition? Or has everyone been kind of an equal footing in that regard? We'll see the impact on us over the full year, but we do we do think that because our factory was were up and uh, and running um, uh, throughout this 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 quarter, um, especially around the manufacturing and lab market, that we were able to gain market share. Um, again, it will be more interesting to really compare those numbers when when we get the full year. But we do believe that on the TNM side, we have increased our, our markets market share. We we do believe as well on high speed. Um, 400 gig uh, high-speed solutions, we do believe that we've actually gained market share as well because we were able to respond. As you know, we do our own manufacturing uh, with our, our three f- um, factories, and I, I, and I do believe it, it brought us a competitive advantage to respond faster to our customers and then therefore leading into market share improvement. Great. Thanks, Michael. That's one. Thank you. Thank we'll you. go ahead and take our next question from Robert Young with Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead. Um, I was hoping you could um, maybe give a bit of insight. Uh, sorry if I missed something earlier in the call, but um, is there any cadence of bookings that you can help us with? At last quarter, you had the strength book to bill in a you know tough revenue quarter. And now you got lower book book to bill in a in a slightly stronger revenue quarter. And is there any cadence of bookings to that you could help us understand there? Yes, Robert. On the, on the booking side, um, I would I would tell you that we were pleased with, uh, although it's it's a decrease, um, but being seven percent down year on year for T and M, considering the COVID impact in Q3, and as you know, uh, that, that quarter in particular was substantially impacted in in, in a lot of countries. Uh, to be seven percent down on T and M, we felt that it was a a really good performance, especially in the month of May in particular. Um, with um, with the, the bookings we were able to close. On SaaS, I do think that the, the COVID really impacted us in terms of when you're looking at doing new RFPs, new business, trying to displace an incumbent in a COVID environment, uh, it did take a bit more time uh, to, um, to, uh, to close deals. So it's really come down to timing 
of closing these deals. So it was not, there were not lost deals. It just takes more time to, in this environment to close. And as I mentioned in my opening statement, uh, our funnel is going up. Um, there's more RFPs going, being, uh, happening. And uh, we do believe we'll be able to close some of these deals, um, the potential deals that we have in Q4 and, and um, coming up and mainly on the SaaS side. But again, both TNM and, and SaaS, we see the funnel and the opportunities uh, increasing as we speak in our in our Q4. Okay, okay. Um, I, I noticed the accounts receivable jumped up uh, quite a bit. Is um, there anything in there? Um, are you seeing any lengthening in payments here? No, not really, uh, Robert. Uh, it's uh, mainly Q2 was very low. The fact that uh, we have been uh, hammered in, Q2, in February to, on shipment. This is why we have a, a, a very low uh, February month. Uh, so we are we're more, more in line with previous quarter in the 50, 55 million in receivable. So we haven't experienced any uh, bad debt, uh, major bad debt, or more difficulties. So we, we need to, to keep tight control on the credit. But uh, for me, uh, being at 50, over 50 million, 55, this is back to normal, what we have seen in, in, in the previous quarters. Okay. And then maybe this, is there any other color I can get from uh, on the, the uh, deals that might close in Q4? Is there any context around size or um, confidence on closing, or I imagine the the backlog. I think last quarter you said there was around 60 million in SaaS. Um, did it is are these deals that would have been in the backlog last quarter? Is there any, any other information you can give us there? I, I the, what I could bring a bit more color, uh, Robert, is you know the backlog is again is pretty sound with regards to our our SaaS business, but these would be additional. Uh, I would actually tell you new logos. So, so this is winning new customers, um, and and uh, that we are not uh, don't have any, an existing position. And as you know, they they take longer <clears throat> these uh, SaaS deals to to get revenue recognition because it, it, there's always um, some um, professional services uh, work that we have to do and get customer acceptance and so on, which is a quite different uh, revenue cycle than um, than we see on TNM. All right, it's great to hear. Um, I'll pass on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll go ahead and take our next question from Tim Savage with Northland Capital. Please go ahead. Hi, good afternoon, and uh, congrats on the uh, better than expected results. I have a question, and, and uh, Philip, I think you referred to this briefly. Um, you know, we've seen what appears to be a lot of strength globally in fiber access markets, you know, 10 gig pawn upgrades, what have you. Um, pretty broad based and, and obviously somewhat of an uptick driven by work from home traffic amongst uh, cable operators as well. So I guess my question is, as you look at the access portion of your T&M business, I wonder if you could talk about, you know, what you're seeing in terms of either, you know, funnel activity um, orders connected to any increase in in fiber to the home deployment uh, globally. I'll follow up from there. Yeah. So Tim, the um, 
when we look at our TNM business, the, the growth vectors that helped us get the bookings and the revenues were predominantly, as I mentioned, around our manufacturing and lab and, uh, market, which continues to do really well. Our high-speed solutions, like 400 gig, which does really, really well. And then as well, we're continuing to see solid performance on some of the optical RF solutions that we have added and, and deployed in, um, uh, over the past, um, the past quarter. What you highlighted is, you know, the, the, because of the pandemic, the, the, a lot of the what I would call fiber buildup, whether it's fiber to the home, fiber to the antenna, the densification of fiber to the antenna that we've seen uh, in, in, in America, in North America, they've, they've been um, obviously impacted by COVID. Where the funnel is increasing is exactly what you just highlighted. Um, fiber to the home, uh, especially with COVID, people are realizing that they, they, will, they will get better broadband connectivity with fiber deployment, with, with fiber access, whether it's pond technology, whether it's fiber deep. And we are seeing the impact of the, that, of the funnel of those, that particular market, as you highlighted. And it's not just in North America that we're seeing this, but we're seeing this across Europe as well. And we're seeing that in certain countries in, uh, in Asia PAC. Okay, and I imagine you know, that'll take a, a little while to develop, as you mentioned, it's sort of activity in the funnel, but is that kind of part of what's behind uh, your stated optimism for you know, increasing revenue levels? And I don't know exactly how you meant that. Uh, it looks like there's you know, maybe some seasonality at play as we look at fiscal Q4, um, but to the extent that you're optimistic about growth you know, heading into fiscal 21, would it be kind of a continuation of some of these current trends you're seeing around, you know, lab and production and, and high speed with, you know, maybe some of the access and you're speaking of T&M here, um, you know, coming up to, to be a more significant driver um, as, as you kind of look forward? Yeah, so Tim, my, my comment was really more than, than just what I would call next quarter optimism. It, it, it's exactly what you said. We're, when we look at our you know, fiscal year 2020, the fundamentals behind where we're investing, where we've made acquisitions, um, we, are, you know, we are feeling optimistic about the opportunity to, to respond to the customer's needs around you know, fiber deployment, high-speed solutions, lab manufacturing. And on the SaaS side, we're starting to see as I mentioned, a lot more activities around 5G deployment, 5G core deployment. Um, the caveat is obviously the global economy and, 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 and what will happen um, and, you know, with uh, a potential recession or a slowdown and an impact in G GDP. And this is the, the challenge that we have. We spent a lot of time talking to our customers where we're trying to get a better feel of their CapEx spend and where they're going to, you know, go ahead with their, uh, what, uh, with their investments in terms of uh, build-out and so on. Um, our business around with the web scale, by the way, is also increasing, um, you know, whether it's between the data centers or within the data centers, and we see that continuing. And as you know, there's the whole discussion around edge data center build-out that we do believe will be based on, on interconnected inside and outside with, with optical technology. And again, giving us the uh, the optimism that you know focusing on fiber and focusing on 5G is is the right strategy for us. Okay, thanks very much. Thank you, Tim. And once again, that's star one. If you'd like to ask a question on today's call, we'll take our next question from Richard C. with 
National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, so uh, you referred to uh, you know, strength here in China. I'm kind of curious on a relative basis, you know, prior to this pandemic, you know, would you say that kind of scale or momentum is back to where it was? I, th I do think that it's, it's a bit difficult to, to answer, but I do think there's a two, two, um, two answers to your question. The first one is we are seeing the, China gov the Chinese government making a priority in infrastructure build out for 5G, and, and that we, we do see the impact of that. Um, we do a lot of, again, the manufacturing business. We do, um, you know, we help transceivers, manufacturers. We, we help people building optical components. And I do feel that that is not just necessarily to the Chinese market, but overall uh, the global, global need for those type of products. But so I would say there's a bit of combination of both. So, so a, a real infrastructure uh, investment build out uh, in China, and then uh, ultimately as well a, a high demand for optical components. Okay, and that sort of kind of dovetails into this other question, like on a global basis, uh, how would you sort of rank the, the relative strength of you know the regions having sort of come back here? It's uh, Richard. It was really again. It was interesting to see within the quarter how the regions were uh, gradually reopening up. Um, you know, obviously China being the first one being hit, uh, but the first one to be reopening. Uh, we saw the, the 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 some of the activities going there. EMEA was more impacted um, for our business. I mean, we we saw obviously uh, countries being uh, closed down, economies being closed down for a big part of of that particular quarter. Um, and um, and and we saw that as as a big a bigger impact. Americas was interesting. The, the U.S. Um, um, performed better, especially the month of May for us. Um, Canada as well, but Latin America, obviously, as I'm sure you've seen the, the news, um, was a softer quarter. Okay, great. Thank you. Once again, that's star one. If you'd like to ask a question on today's call, we'll pause for just another brief moment. Seeing as we have no further questions at this time, I'd like to turn the call back over to CEO Felipe Morin for any additional or closing remarks. Thank you. So um, just a, a few key uh, takeaways before we conclude the call today. So again, first, we are very pleased with our solid financial performance in the third quarter of 2020. We delivered a double-digit adjusted EBITDA margin during a, a pretty um, important uh, pandemic crisis here. Second, our proof of concepts uh, for our Nova Sense AI monitoring solutions continues to gain traction with customers as uh, we have increased uh, trials from three to seven uh, in the third quarter. And then finally, um, despite the pandemic, uh, the fiber and 5G growth uh, drivers remain intact. Um, with some countries, as I mentioned, even accelerating their investments. So given our market-driven focus on these two long-term drivers, um, exposed revenue levels should improve in the upcoming quarters, and the operating leverage of our business model will also be fully demonstrated there. So at this point, this concludes our Q3 2020 conference call, and on behalf of the entire Expo team, thank you uh, very much for joining us today. Once again, that does conclude today's conference. Thank you very much for your participation. You may now disconnect your phone lines.
Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.